Open up! I know he's in here! Open up! Open up! I'm not the police, but, uh, I mean business. Hold your horses, my goodness! I'm an evil writer, not Usain Bolt. Do you have any idea what time it is? I don't give a shit what time it is. Where is he? And hand me! Ghouls! Ghouls! Come here and eat this man alive! I'm Derek Betcher, and uh, my twin brother came here earlier this year for an audition, and nobody ever heard from him again. He was a gentle soul, an artist trying to, you know, make it in the big city. Me? I'm the practical one. He went to Juilliard. I studied at the School of Hard Knocks. I ask you again, where is my brother? Brother, huh? You got a cigarette? Here. And a light? Here. Actor, huh? Yeah, I remember your brother. He was a... Hey, wait a minute. Is this weed? Yeah. Cool. Anyway, little pipsqueak sort of guy, really. What do you mean by that? Bald beard glasses. Just like you, basically. Yeah. Sure, I might remember something. But it's gonna cost you. How much we talking? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want your money. I want your ability to read. You crazy. I've been called worse, sailor. Fine. I'll do anything to save my twin. What do you want? I'm a world-renowned, undiscovered horror writer with a backlog of material like you wouldn't believe. Read one of my stories, and I'll show you where you can find your brother. Hmm. And this ain't a trick, is it? Because I hate tricks. No tricks. Just evil stories. Fine. You got it. But just remember, this is for my brother. Let me pull up my evil chair. This story is a wake-up call. How can you sleep when everything is a nightmare? Opening Nightmare Jerry woke and knew something was wrong. For starters, his room was normally a bedroom, not a bog, and he currently found himself floating in a bog. For the main course, the sky above him was red like glowing lipstick, which also wasn't correct. For the dessert of his three-course something-is-wrong dinner, he noticed that a hideous creature, a sort of spider but with only four legs of such immensity that it would be able to walk over mountains, stalked ponderously on the horizon. And that was the exact sort of thing Jerry had never seen in his bedroom before. What the fillet? he asked, as his floating body gently bumped against a bushel of reeds, dislodging some flying insects that wasted no time in swarming around Jerry's head, seeking his orifices and the warmth within. He didn't have time for this. He wasn't the sort of man who floated in a bog while insects walked inside his noggin. He was a chef. A celebrity chef. Hello, he called, his voice echoing across the swampy land with the gravitas of a man of the kitchen. I'm not meant to be here. I'm a chef, a celebrity chef. I need to be in the kitchen of my hit restaurant Edibles in, he checked his watch, 30 minutes. Is there someone who can help me? The insectoid buzzing that permeated this boggy place grew in unsettling intensity. Up swarmed a cloud of flying insects, squirming and terrible to behold. They swirled above him, eventually forming a face most foul, high cheekbones, 
pouty lips, eyes made of wriggling bugs, a young, beautiful woman. The face buzzed. It's a Michelin star restaurant where all the food has drugs in it, Jerry said. The kicker is, I never say which drugs they are. We're already booked for the next five years. I've sort of become the toast of the town, so they say. The face stared at him for a moment, its hideous writhing expression unreadable. Did you come up with that idea yourself? It finally asked. Jerry felt something deep down in his chest, an anxious little tingle to which he was unaccustomed. Fear? Regret? He didn't know, but he ignored it all the same. Yep, he said, masking his tingle with the chef's bravado. The face said as its teeth turned into squirming fangs. The bug woman's mouth opened as wide as a snake's mouth, and then some. Then it swooped down towards Jerry, and Jerry screamed. Jerry awoke in his own bedroom and brushed the nightmare sweat from his glistening visage. A dream. It was just a dream. He rolled over and glanced at his alarm clock. It was 7 p.m. No! He screeched like an insane bat, grabbing the clock and hurling it against the wall where it shattered. He was late to his own grand opening of his already Michelin star-earned restaurant, Edibles, the greatest of his celebrity chef ideas that he came up with himself. This was a catastrophe on par with that sub that imploded looking for the Titanic, maybe even the Titanic itself. He checked his phone. 30 million missed calls. No! He squawked, ripping the covers off his supple frame, revealing his nakedness. For he slept in the nude, as all celebrity chefs did. He rose from the bed like an avenging god and threw on his black pants, chef's coat, chef's hat, and his shiny chef's shoes. He was out the door inhaling a cab in mere minutes. The yellow vehicle pulled up, and he threw the door open and hopped inside. Where to? The cabbie asked, her voice low and sultry. Edibles, Jerry said. It's my new Michelin star restaurant. I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm celebrity chef Jerry Jonestown. I'm sure you've heard of me. Edibles? That restaurant that gets you high? The cabbie asked as they pulled away. Yeah, Jerry responded with no small amount of pride. It's the idea of a century, the cabbie said. You come up with it yourself? The question hit Jerry in the gut like a punch from a name brand boxer. He gasped. What was that? The cabbie asked. Jerry watched the driver's unusually feminine eyes in the rearview mirror. They narrowed with suspicion, but twinkled with something else. Playfulness? Scheidenfreude? Lust? He couldn't tell. I said, the driver said, was it your idea, or did you steal it from somebody? The cab suddenly accelerated, hurling Jerry back into his dirty seat. Terror caused his mouth to emit a scream of unusual volume. He reached for the door handle in a panic, but the G-forces made it difficult to move. His hand finally grabbed the chrome device and gave it a tug, but the door wouldn't budge. He was locked in. Why are you driving so fast, he shrieked. What do you want with me? He glanced back at the mirror. The woman's eyes flared. I just want you to admit it, she said. I'm a celebrity chef, Jerry roared. I don't have to put up with this shit. The woman spun the wheel and the car veered to the right. It was headed straight for a cliff, a massive gaping chasm that was somehow in the middle of New York City. 
Admit it, the driver screamed back. Confess! Confess what? Jerry snarled like a wolverine. That I'm a genius? That I'm the next Gordon Ramsay? That I'm a celebrity chef? Fine. I freely admit all of those things. The driver put pedal to the metal and the car plummeted into the chasm. Jerry was falling and he screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed. Jerry woke up and felt the sweat of terror on his brow. It was just a dream, just a nightmare. Thank God. He tried to wipe the sweat from his forehead, but clinking restraints held his hands in place. He tried to move his legs. They were restrained as well. It was then he realized that he wasn't in his bed. He was tied to some sort of torture rack. He wasn't in his room, but instead he was in some sort of evil dungeon, its damp stone walls caked with the most crimson of liquid, that being blood. Hello? He shouted. Where am I? I'm a celebrity chef, and I... Mechanical grinding sounds whirred above him. He moved his gaze upwards and saw a collection of round openings in the stone ceiling. What's that sound? He shouted. He didn't have to wait long for an answer. A pneumatic hiss heralded the arrival of the sum of all his fears. A spear, dozens of yards long, which shot from the ceiling and pierced his shoulder with a sickening, squishy crunch. Jerry screamed on the torture rack. Admit, a feminine voice said, the word echoing across the walls. Confess. Jerry turned his head and saw a woman in monk's robes, her face concealed by shadow, watching him. Confess to what? Jerry moaned. This is insane. Let me out of here. This, this, this is illegal. Something clicked in his mind, and he laughed through the pain. Wait, this is just a dream. You can't hurt me in a dream. You can't kill me. Really? The woman asked. Another hiss and another spear pierced Jerry's other shoulder. He tried to bite his tongue, tried to muffle the scream that was building in his throat, tried to logic away the pain, but it was too much and the scream escaped. He couldn't see through the darkness inside the woman's long hood, but he had the feeling she was smiling. Confess, she said. Jerry spat at her. A series of hisses and spears flew through the air, piercing his body like a pincushion. Jerry tried to scream again, but only blood bubbled out of his mouth, crimson and salty, dripping down his sheet onto the torture rack. Then he began to feel cold. The pain ebbed. Lights floated across his vision. He watched them dumbly and thought about how nice they would look in his Michelin star restaurant edibles. Darkness crept into the edges of his vision, and before he knew it, he rattled his last breath and knew no more. Jerry woke with a scream, throwing the heavy sheets off his body in a fit of demonic terror. He sat there, huffing and puffing, stewing on top of his fitted sheet, sopping with terrified sweat until he was finally able to calm down. He eyed the curtains by his window suspiciously. Was he awake? Or was this just another dream? He rolled over and found himself staring at a beautiful Oregonian man with a wispy beard. His eyes were still closed. Jerry knew he was a celebrity chef. He knew he was excited about edibles, but the rest of him was fuzzy. He glanced at the clock, 9 a.m., still plenty of time to make it to his Michelin star restaurant edibles for his grand opening. 
Jerry laid back inside. The mundanity of his waking calmed him. This was real. It must be. He pinched himself just in case. It hurt. He sighed again. This was it. His life, his real life. The life of a successful gay celebrity chef. The world was his oyster. I can't believe you're up, to be honest, the man next to him muttered. Why's that? Jerry asked. You've been asleep for two months, the man told him. Jerry's heart palpitated. What? he asked. You were sleeping so soundly that I didn't want to wake you, the man told him. What? Jerry muttered yet again, his mouth now void of saliva, dry like the deserts of his home state, Nevada. What day is it? June 14th, the beautiful man said, now sitting up in puzzlement. Jerry's eyesight began to fade from his terror. June 14th? That was well over a month after the grand opening. What happened to my restaurant? Jerry asked. Edibles? The man asked back. That place closed. There was a sudden, unbearable pain in Jerry's jaw like someone had stabbed him with an ice pick. He yelped and put his hand to his mouth. It rested upon his lips with a crunch. Something was loose in there. He felt around inside his moist food crusher and pulled out something white with red all over it. A bloody tooth. Oh, he mumbled before more pain arced through his pitiful mouth. More cracks. He spat a pile of bloody teeth onto his bed. No! Why do you care? The man asked, slipping on a black bathrobe. It's not like it was your idea anyway. The man turned, revealing now that his face wasn't a man's face, but was that of a woman's. The same woman driving his cabin represented by a wriggling swarm of insects in the swamp. A woman he now realized he knew. Plastique, he said, the name tasting like arsenic on his seasoned tongue. Plastique, Cartier. The woman smirked at her own name. Jerry felt a gnawing dread eat its way up and out of his bosom. This was another nightmare. When would it end? Admittance, the woman said. Admit what? Jerry shouted at her. The woman smirked again and waved her hand to the bedroom's interior wall, which faded away, revealing a swanky Manhattan cocktail bar. Patrons trotted about this way and that, drinking their drinks and chatting nonstop. At a table in a dark corner sat Jerry and Plastique, sipping their drinks in near silence. What do you have going on? Jerry finally asked. I'm working on this restaurant idea, Plastique said, sliding Jerry a manila folder. Jerry opened it up edibles. He flipped through the concept art and proposed menu. It's a restaurant where all the food gets you high. I have named it with the word edibles. Jerry's eyes were wide with wonder. And you came up with this? Yeah, it would be accurate to say this is solely my idea, Plastique said. Her stomach gurgled and she clutched at it. Be right back. She scurried off into the lavatory, leaving Jerry holding the manila envelope. His face shifted through a complex range of emotions, disbelief, confusion, acceptance, and finally, determination. He looked down at the envelope. I came up with this, he said, standing and sliding the manila envelope into his chef's jacket, which he always wore. This is my idea. He walked away, his stride confident and manly, and the scene faded. The beautiful man, still wearing Plastique's face, stood before him. His arms crossed like two dead snakes. It's not true, Jerry said. Edibles was my idea and you tried to steal it. Only a celebrity chef could come up with a Michelin star idea such as this, and I'm the celebrity chef. 
Not you. Plastique chuckled as her fingers elongated into sharp points, and she stalked toward Jerry. It is the curse of humanity that we can lie so much that even we start to believe it. You truly believe it was your idea, and you will know pain, she said, her face full of rage. The pain of a chef wrong, for that is what I am. There is no greater torment. Jerry scooted backward until he fell out of his bed, and then kept scooting all the way to his large bedroom window. This is just a nightmare. This is just a nightmare, he babbled. You're not even real. Plastique dragged her knife fingers across Jerry's prized bedsheets, ripping them to shreds without even a callous thought. Did your sheets feel real? She asked. She stopped before Jerry and lashed out with her wicked talons, shattering the glass. Curtains billowed in the breeze. Does this breeze feel real? Jerry's terrified eyes confirmed with rapid rapidity that the breeze did indeed feel real by swelling as wide as saucers. Admit it, Plastique said. Then write the local newspaper and tell the world you stole my idea. I'm the celebrity chef, not you. Jerry hesitated. Between death and dishonor, he knew what he would choose. Never, he screamed, hurling himself out the window. Plastique struck, her fang-sharp fingers slicing through air instead of supple flesh. She missed her opportunity. Jerry was gone. Wake up! Jerry screeched like a dying owl as the ground grew larger and larger in his field of vision. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake! Jerry awoke. He was floating in a white tube, some part of a space station, a place where they probably didn't need celebrity chefs. The tube was dark, and yellow lights flashed down its length, some sort of warning. Suddenly, at the far end of the tube, An astronaut turned a corner, her shocked face and crisp uniform stained with blood. She shrieked and barreled towards Jerry, her jaw hanging oddly, her eyes dull. She was a zombie. A space zombie. There was a metal, hatch-like door between them. Jerry raised her, awkward in low gravity, but managed to clang the door shut just as the zombie woman astronaut reached it. She beat the door with mighty, undead fists, cracking the glass in the door's small porthole, but doing no greater damage. In blood, she scrawled this on the broken glass. C-O-N-F-E-S-S. Jerry screamed in pure terror and headbutted himself senseless against the metal door, hoping that intense head trauma would somehow cause him to... Jerry woke up just in time to see a demented elephant-sized teapot in the shape of an actual elephant that was incidentally holding a teapot of boiling water begin to pour boiling tea on his exposed chest. Confess! It demanded. Jerry shrieked as his skin began to bubble and bubble and... Jerry woke up. He was a flower and a big old honeybee was buzzing toward him, throbbing stinger extended. Its feminine face... The face of Plastique snarled into a grimace of revenge. Admit it! The bee buzzed as it took its throbbing stinger and... Jerry woke up and found himself halfway through being devoured by a beast so horrible that it couldn't possibly be described. Jerry woke up at a cabin just in time to see the slasher who had begun stalking the camp slam the door open and heft his evil claymore as he began cutting down campers and... Jerry woke up. He was lying in the street a dirty overhang protecting him from the rain that poured down all around. 
His gloves were fingerless, his clothing in tatters. A cardboard sign rested on the ground next to him. In black marker were written the words, We'll cook for food. Two dashing socialites walked up to him, their umbrellas shielding their fashionable clothing from the wet. Darling, one said, do you have a dollar for this poor wretch? I should think not, the other said. Why, if I give this poor wretch a dollar, then how will he ever learn to give himself a dollar? Say, said the first, he looks an awful lot like the celebrity chef who fell into obscurity when his new Michelin star restaurant Edibles failed. Jerry was horrified. No, he garbled. By Jove, said the second, I think you may be right. My, how far he has fallen. We shall go home and tell this to our children as a cautionary tale of flying too close to the sun. <laughs> Indeed, very much so, said the other as they walked away. It took some time for Jerry to say anything. Of all the horror I have witnessed, he finally uttered, this by far is the worst. Admit it, Plastique said. She stood before him in the street, unaffected by the rain. I, Jerry began. He forced the words out. I stole the idea for my Michelin star restaurant edibles, where the food gets you high from my protege, Plastique Cartier. Plastique closed her eyes, took a deep breath, and smiled. Yes, she said. Yes, you did. A dump truck sped by, kicking up rainwater all over Jerry like a tiny tsunami. When it finally passed, Plastique was gone. Plastique woke up. She took the metal, cerebro-like helmet from her head and set it down. Then she exhaled a long sigh and looked to her right, where Jerry lay his cerebro-like helmet still connected. I'm glad you could finally admit it, she told him. Jerry's eyes moved beneath his eyelids, perfectly displaying that he was in REM sleep, the best kind of sleeping for dreaming or nightmaring. Plastique's well-manicured fingers reached towards a box on a table between them, the machine from which the cerebro tubes emerged. Evil stenciling on the machine read, Nightmare Machine. Her fingers found a knob marked nightmare length. She turned the knob slowly, all the way to forever. Well, well, well. Sweet dreams aren't made of these, eh? Yeah, 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 whatever. I did my part of the deal. I read your evil story. Now tell me, where's my brother? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell you. Wait, wait. What are your ghouls? Hey, hey, get off! G get off! I'm going to show you. Do me a favor and say hi to your brother once you enter my dungeon. <laughs> hey, just remember, I'm Derek <laughs> No one will remember who you are, you pitiful fool. Apart from in context of having read one of my evil stories that play weekly on every podcast platform available to humankind. Please like and subscribe if you happen to be listening right now. This episode was performed by Eric Betcher and Lord Serpent. 
It was edited by Charles Brock, Stacy Milborn, and Lord Serpent. Opening Nightmare was written by Charles Brock and Lord Serpent. It was produced by Stacy Milborn, Michael Morgan, Charles Brock, and Lord Serpent. Michael Morgan and Lord Serpent were the audio engineers. The music was composed by Charles Brock and Lord Serpent. Tune in next week for even more of my horrific tales of madness and terror. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Lord Serpent's Library and check out my homepage at rss.com slash podcasts slash Lord Serpent's Library. <laughs>